Welcome to the JVV Health and Wellness Podcast. On today's episode, we talk about a number of topics. We start off with a conversation that seems to be one of the hottest topics that people are talking to me about. And while this may not be directly related to health and wellness, it's the topic of, you know, kind of getting back to our pre-pandemic lives. It's the topic of specifically what are our companies that we work at doing our companies having us back in the office, our companies telling us to stay remote for a while, our hybrid models happening. Basically, most people I'm talking to today, that's a topic. And, you know, it does relate to health and wellness as it relates to vaccines, as it relates to health and wellness and stress and anxiety. So we talked to a number of people about what their companies are doing uh, and how uh, things are being looked at, uh, what protocols are companies requiring how do people deal with travel and getting together for business meetings, et cetera, et cetera. We, so we talk about those things. We also continue to talk about the New York City Marathon. We uh, have a follow-up from our conversation last week. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I, if you're a runner and you're thinking about running marathons, do run marathons, run the New York City Marathon. You can listen to that discussion about whether to run the race and defer and what are the reasons for making that decision. I deferred my 2021 entry until 2022. Just felt like that was the right thing to do and really don't want to schlep out to Staten Island and wait around for three hours and deal with all of that and being around people and dealing with crowds. So that's why I deferred. I may run it uh, virtually. We have a discussion about movement. Uh, I have an app, the JVB Health and Wellness app, and we recently added some alerts to push you a very simple chart that shows your movement throughout the day. It shows if you're moving 300 steps an hour or more, it gives you a green hour. And if you have less than 300 steps, it gives you a red hour. And essentially, really, this is just to like make yourself accountable. I think in my experience as a coach over the last 10 years, most people think that they move much more than they do. And I remember when I started coaching, and I would particularly be coaching athletes, marathon runners, triathletes, Ironmen, ultramarathoners, and I would notice that people, there's a certain group of people that would get hurt more often than other groups. And I was able to figure out over time, starting with Garmin, then looking at Fitbit and Apple, that the ones that were getting hurt more were the ones that were sitting more. And when I started to think about, well, how can I present, because people didn't believe me. People say, whatever, Jim, I don't believe that. And then when I started to present them with accountability and data, they'd say, oh yeah, and they'd start to move more and they would start to get hurt less. I mean, we all get hurt as runners. 80% of runners get hurt every year, but they would get hurt less. And all the evidence out there over the last number of years says the more we move, the longer we live. Dr. Sanjay Gupta had a book out recently, which is called Keeping Sharp, which is a great book. It's it's really about uh, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and mental health, but it really is a health book to me because in order to stay health well uh, with the mind and stave off dementia and Alzheimer's, or at least have a better chance to do so, the people that are you know, following healthy pillars of eating healthy, sleeping at least seven hours a night, but not sleeping too much, not sleeping more than 10 hours, you know, exercising consistently, keeping stress and anxiety down, uh, et cetera, et cetera, are the ones that seem to be the healthiest. And he had a stat in his book from a study, I think it was from the University of Utah, that said that people that sit eight or more hours a day, so that would be less, you know, pretty much sitting. I, I, my app characterizes that as less than 300 steps an hour, which is, you know, moving three to five minutes. He said the people that sleep less than, uh, sorry, that sit for eight hours or more a day had a 33% chance more of death in the future 
So that's a crazy stat. And he also said this study said that if people move just two minutes an hour, that they significantly reduce that. The idea was get up and kind of move, you know, two minutes an hour. 300 steps under my app is three to five minutes an hour. You know, I have uh, polled people and said, hey, what would you think if we made it 200 steps an hour versus 300? And the overwhelming response was, look, I know I need to move. Even if you gave me the option to do it at 200 steps versus 300 steps, I would still go for 300 steps. And so uh, that's what the app does. And we have conversations about it and uh, related benefits of moving. We also talk a little bit about uh, blood work and the importance of getting a physical every year and a few other topics. Hope you enjoy it. I am curious how people are feeling about their companies and what companies are doing in terms of getting back in the office. And, you know, what are, are people back in the office? Are people being told they're going to be coming back in the office? This is a topic that everyone seems to want to talk about right now because most companies are either doing it or thinking about it. Anybody want to take the first bite at that? I will, but um, I would say I talked to somebody today who was going into the office space that I'm supposed to be going into. And he and I were on the phone. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm driving into Manhattan. I'm like, what do you mean you're driving in? And he goes, I'm cleaning out my office. I go, do you need to tell me something? Because I thought the guy may be leaving. And he goes, no, 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 we're, we're getting rid of our office space. And I go, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I mean, I knew it was under discussion, but from July through the end of this year, there is no office space for my company. Now they might have little get togethers. We've talked about it. But there is no office for my company, and they're going to to be determined for um, next year what they're going to do. I think it's a huge move, and I think it's a, I think it's a, it's, I think it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I think we'll get back to a hybrid model, but I just thought that they basically cut bait. They're like, we're not doing it. We're just get your stuff out of our office. Now, are they going to? Is that in New York City? Yep, New York City. Are they going? Are you? Are they going to uh, move into a new space where they downsized or? what's the plan then starting next year? Do they already have a lease signed? Do you know? No, I think that the market is so, um, I don't know. Uh, There's so much space and they think there's going to be so much space um, that either they could go back to the space that they have, right? At a half or, you know, a third of what it was, um, or they could find, you know, similar or less space for a lot less. Um, I think that, you know, they, they're trying to figure out and come to terms with how, how, who wants to work in, how many people want to work in office, how many people don't. And there are a lot of people who don't. Now, that's not to say that you're going to be not required to come in, but my recommendation is there was conversations like, I talked to a couple of people, it's like, you know, maybe you come in two, three times a week. And I'm like, that's fine for some people, but, you know, and then you switch it out. I think it should be, if I was planning this, if you want to come in, you can come in as long as there's a seat for you. Um, but there's one week that you're dedicated to come in because you have to have certain functions and certain um, meetings with certain people in person. But the rest of the time, don't come in. I mean, I just think it saves a, a lot of people having horrible commutes. Um, I think it, I think it increases happiness and increases productivity. But that's just me. Yep, that's super uh, interesting feedback. And is the type of business you do something that you can do just uh, just as well remotely? Uh, look, I miss the coffee. I miss the uh, uh, what do you call it? The water cooler stuff. I miss sitting down in people's offices. I miss all that. Um, you know, I took a class on how to um, <laughs> create. Uh, emotional connections on 
Zoom. I mean, it's hard. Don't let's get, let's be honest. It's hard. Um, you and know, you're in I sales, my, right? Which that that's yeah. your stick, right? Yeah. Yeah. And look, I'm doing all my onboarding over Zoom, right? Um, I was on a Zoom today and I met two people at the company and, you know, it was awkward in the first five minutes and then we kind of warmed up to each other. Um, so I, I just, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing because I'm, I'm joined a company on Zoom during a pandemic, right? Um, so it's so far so good. Uh, Let's talk about. But yes, um, I'm in sales. I'm, but here's the other thing, Jim. I will have to get on a plane. I'm going to have to do, you know, dinners again, uh, outings and all that stuff, as long as my clients potentially want to do it. Right. But right, I well, you're going to have some clients that are going to want to for sure. And you're going to have some clients that are not going to want to for sure. Right. So you got to you're going to have to figure out how to do the remote stuff for the ones that don't want to get together in person. And you're going to have to figure out whether or not you're going to be comfortable enough to going to those lunches and dinners. Are you going to be? Look, I'm I'm vaccinated. I figure I'm gonna get a booster, um, and as long as you know I'm 90% going to survive, and my mortality rate so low of catching it, I will be happy to to um, I'll do it for a high value. Let's put it this way. Let's call it. It has to be a high value meeting or a high value. I can't. I'm not just gonna get on a plane to wing it, right? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not just gonna fly somewhere and risk my health to meet somebody who's you know, whatever, but like, there's a trade conference, like one of the bigger, more successful ones coming up, which is all virtual, which we've had a high hit rate on, you know, when that thing goes in person, I want to be there, you know? Um, so what are you, what are your clients saying? You have a lot of long-term clients. What would you say the split is between your clients that are comfortable getting together? They, and they just want to be back to normal or already think we're back to normal and they want to get together versus those that are more reticent and more, more cautious and maybe scared. I think that the clients that were friends that I was doing business with, we're going to be friends. Getting together is great. Uh, it's fine. It's the people you're doing business with that want to be wined and dined, right? That still kind of have that mentality that want to go out. And those are the people like I can take the pass at, right? I mean, you know, I, I want to have a business relationship. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to risk that person's well-being, my well-being, so we can go out and have a you know dinner and a drink. Does that make sense? Um, of course. So, but I, I, you know, I do think there's value to those, those events, but I think you have to be overly cautious on those events. So I, I just think, I think with all due respect, you know, it has to be of common mind and common value. Um, if somebody asked me today to go jump on a plane and go to Miami and party for three nights, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But there's people whose entire careers have been based on that and they want to go do that again. Yeah, good for them. That's what they want to do. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend and he was telling me a story about his fiance who got stuck in Fort Lauderdale, was supposed to fly back yesterday or the day before. And I'm sure most of us have been to the Fort Lauderdale airport many times. And apparently the, the terminal that that flight got delayed like 15 hours. And the problem is when your flight gets delayed today, there's not the same supply out there to switch your flights anymore. So all these flights are completely, totally packed. So she got delayed 15 hours, couldn't get out from Fort Lauderdale, had to go to Miami the next day or two. But they made an announcement apparently in the terminal at Fort Lauderdale saying, we are at capacity. We can, nobody else, I don't know if they formally cut it off and stopped letting people come in, but that's how crowded it was. And, you know, my friend said that, uh, you know, you had a whole hodgepodge of different people, many people not wearing masks. Justin just drove a long time to avoid the airport. I flew 
a couple of weeks ago for a very short flight. I feel like the, air, the airlines have done a great job with HEPA filters and other things. So I actually feel more comfortable on a plane for an hour than I would feel going to an office for 10 hours with air moving around and with uh, stale air. Anybody else have a reaction to what I just said? I'm driving, not flying. I mean, but that's what I've been doing. And I plan on continuing doing that for, you know, another six months to a year. Mm-hmm. My, my uh, wife and my younger child are on a plane right now, flying back from New York. They just spent about two weeks in New York and, you know, they're double masked up and got the seat. Luckily, most of these flights are hundred percent booked, but they got the seat below uh, between them open. So that's good. But, you know, I think that we're going to see more travel and I think that, you know, we just got to be careful, you know, uh, Dwayne, you flew down to, hi Dwayne, you, you flew down to Dallas for your showcase. What was your mindset around flying? Did you have any worry and how did you think about it all? No, nah, to be honest, uh, I sure did. <laughs> you sure did not? Yeah, I sure did not. Uh, I was ready to go to Texas, you know, play some football. So <laughs> yeah. Did you mask yeah. up? Did you mask up on the flight in the airport? Like where are oh, you at these days? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I had to, you know, mass up and everything so great and you had no fear no trepidation and you have you gotten a shot yet or no shot for you yet oh no no not at all got it are you are, are you know the are your t is your team uh that you're gonna go play are you, are you still on to go out ne- uh soon are you going yeah, out yeah. what are you going out next sunday, next sunday. Next sunday. great are there any rules around vaccination for the players and teams um that I don't know for sure yet. Um, they have access. No player, do we take it all? I said no. I ain't take the vaccination, but I took my test. I was the negative, but uh, um, you know, just let them know uh, what been going on and stuff. But um, I don't know the rules and stuff yet. You probably find out more when we get there next week. So um, yeah. Okay, very exciting that you're going out. And are you going to have to do testing every day, or how are they going to manage it? Is it like the other teams? Are you going to have to test? We might have to. Um, that's why we went to camp to see how they're going to go by it. But I know we have to take it when we get down there. But through the season, we probably do have to take it probably every week or whatever, you know, just to mm-hmm. be safe. So, you ready to go play some football? How are you feeling? Oh, of course. I'm ready to play. I've been ready to play. <laughs> How you doing with your fitness? How you doing with your weight? How's everything going there? Well, I touched up my weight, three twenty-five again. Good. Um, Got back down then. Great, everybody on this call. I encourage people to do a physical once a year and get your blood work taken, standard tests, and then you want to test things like B12 and vitamin D and inflammation levels like the A1C to look for diabetes or prediabetes. And you really there's this marker called CRP which is an indication of inflammation. I think that people want to get it. If you want, if you're going to go get blood work and you want to just send me a email or a text, I can send you a list of things that I always want people to ask the doctors for. I've had so many doctors push back on that and say, you don't need vitamin D. Something like 40 or 50% of the world is deficient in vitamin D um, because we don't get enough sun because we're not, uh, not outside enough. But you know, there's, there's a study that came out this week that said the people that live in sunny places and are outside in the sun more get much lower COVID and, get it less severely. There's all kinds of studies about vitamin D. So very important. And the darker our skin is, the harder it is to get vitamin D. Jim, I was reading someplace though that you got to be careful that you don't overload on vitamin D. 100%. It can be, it, it, it can be pretty deadly if you, if you do. 
hundred percent. And I always encourage people talk to your doctor about vitamin D supplementation. I coach a lot of people that when they get that number back, uh, it is poor. I've had many people that need to go in and get vitamin D shots for a while because their levels are so poor. If your vitamin D level is poor, you can get strokes and, you know, kind of all kinds of other issues. It's, it's a serious thing. And vitamin D is one of the most important ones. And I agree. I'm not a doctor. You should talk to your doctor. I have never once, other than recommending one a day vitamins, where I think you should talk to your doctor about anyway, uh, I think that they're, they're the ones that can size how many units you should take. B12 is the other one, particularly if people don't eat a lot of animals, if they're eating pretty much plants, um, then the B12 could be low also. Any other comments on anything we just discussed there? Otherwise, I want to get back to the COVID discussion and see who else is like, um, I'm interested in two things. The, the same thing that Jeff talked about, which is like viewpoints on what companies are doing for being back in the office. And then I'm interested in what people's perspectives are for policies and procedures to follow if we are going back in the office. Shruti, what do you think? Hey, Jim. So we, I, I work for the city. So we got an emails about two weeks ago mandating that starting May 3rd, we're all going to have a phased in approach to getting back into the work, uh, in-person working. Mm. Um, the only saving grace is that phase one is more of the essential workers and, and you know, sort of people on, on the ground. Phase two would be um, IT folks, folks and training folks. And phase three is where I, like my team comes in. So I think by the time my team goes in, it'll be like end of May to mid-June, maybe somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Are they having the policies only... and procedures like, you know, they're going to be distance when you go back and you wear masks, like vaccination rules, testing rules? What, what, are, what are the protocols? So testing rules are there. You will be, you'll have to go through the temperature and things like that every time you come in. What is things um, like that? Is it just temperature or there are other things? Well, there's also a way, I mean, like a, like a form that you fill in uh, mm. depending on, you know, where you've traveled or not. It's like, a, are you sick? Uh, Do you have yes. a fever? Have you had COVID symptoms in the last 14 days? A lot of companies are doing that. I think my company does that for people that go into the office, which is very few yeah. people right now. Yeah. So that's there. Um, the second thing is, uh, I think they plan to do it, uh, you know, to start with, it'll be two days a week. And then depending on how things are going, uh, they will increase the number of days as time goes by. That's have the they second told, thing. Have, have they told you how many days that they want? Is the goal eventually be, to be back five days a week by a certain date? Or is it the phase in where it's going to be two days? How's that working? So they haven't set any dates. Uh, but how how do you have, know it's two days? Because that's what they said to start? Yes, that's what they said to start. Well, they said they would like for it to be two days, but I think they leave it to you based on what your comfort level is. So I suspect most people will even start at one day a week because I don't think people will be more comfortable than that. Um, the third thing that I found out was you know, they've been making some changes and improvements in, in the ventilation system, but most of the buildings that the city owns are like really old. And then the last thing is I volunteered. So since I don't fall in any of the special brackets to get um, the vaccine, the city had 
put out a thing that if you volunteer three days in a row or three days, uh, not in a row, but three days, you get eligible to get the vaccine. So that's what I did. I can tell you that to wear a mask for 12 hours was so hard. You know, like by the third or fourth hour, I had the worst headache. It was so terrible. <laughs> so that's going to be another problem. Do, is the city promulgating that one, when they go in, must wear a mask the entire time they're in the office? Yes. Yes. Okay. And is the city yes. going to have distancing? Like JP Morgan or other, for other banks I'm hearing, like they have some seats taped off, kind of like a gym. Are they doing the same thing for the city? They said to begin with, you will like every other seat. But they also said that since CDC is changing its guidelines from six feet to three feet, maybe that will change soon after. Got it. What if you're in a what if you're in your old job at the fire department, you would have to wear your mask all day long also? Anybody any city employee has to wear their mask indoors at all time? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anything else we didn't cover? It's very interesting. So the city has been, they're very focused on having the protocols necessary to make people feel comfortable. And even then it's going to be hard. Like I've had many people ask me about, Hey, we're, you know, if I'm in working in a building that shares floors with other companies, like how do I know how they're handling the air and what are they going to do about ventilation and HEPA filters and everything else? And the one thing that I, the question I raised, which they weren't able to answer was, so the building that my office is in has 19 floors. And I said, so you're going to have a mile long line of people just entering the building. Are you going to use a phased in approach, like staggered approach in the mornings or what? And they hadn't thought through that yet. How about the elevator? Everyone's asking me about like, how does the elevator work? I know when Goldman opened back up last year, they had a whole protocol where you could stand, how you get in the elevator. Only one or two people could be in the elevator, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that's that's the question I ask because you can only put, I think, four people in an elevator at one point, which means you're going to have a mile-long line outside the building just to get into the get to your floor. What happens and, if somebody's not comfortable? They just are not comfortable with being in the office. Are there exceptions for people that continue to work remotely, or how does that work with the city? So for in, for me, for instance, I asked like I'm going to bike. I'm I. Would not I'm not comfortable taking public transport mm-hmm. and I will be taking the stairs to the 17th floor which is where my office is start a so workout I'm, file Shruti start a workout file I like it <laughs> so I am very skeptical about this because after riding like eight miles and then climbing up 17 flights of stairs I don't even know how productive I'm going to be but Really? Well, you're gonna, you know, making the argument, as long as you take your time up the stairs and don't hammer it, you know, maybe you're going to be more mentally acute because you're going to get more oxygen going in your body. So you just never know. I think what we all have to do is try and stay positive to like people are figuring it out. It's clear to me. I'm talking to tons of people, my company, other companies, people are companies are figuring it out. You know, people want to be back. Many people want to be back. Some people want to be back no matter what, particularly the younger kids. Some people are scared to be back and there's everyone in the middle. People want to know what the policies and procedures are. And it's very tough for companies. It's very tough for all of us. You know, we just try to stay positive. Justin. Yeah. So can you hear me now? Yes. So I, I'm, uh, I'm home all the time. We're just uh, unlimited work from home. 
you know, as long as for the foreseeable future. And you're a lawyer. I want to go. Yeah, and I want to go back only because it's hard to get stuff done with four people in the house doing stuff. That's tough. Totally. Um, if the kids were back, I would be less. Once they're back in school, then I'm. I could be home. That, and I have a. I think it's going to be a hybrid approach for us. I don't know how long our lease is, but I would imagine they'll rethink everything. Like they probably figured out by now that, you know, we can do this without, you know, being in the office. You know, it works. So, I have a feeling we'll downsize the office at some point. I don't know when. Interesting. But, uh, You've been in that office for a long time, haven't you, Ben? <clears throat> Forever. I, yeah. It's going to be hard for them to let that go. Wow. Maybe they'll just make bigger office, bigger conference space. I have no idea. Um, that's my guess. I, I haven't been in those discussions with them. But And uh, if you and your company, if you put your hand up and said, it, does, it sounds like it doesn't really matter where you are if you're already thinking about being remote no. forever. Right. So it doesn't if you were uncomfortable, you would just be remote. You wouldn't even have to yeah. ask. Yeah. They, yeah. And I just kind of do what I want anyway. So it's just we don't have any strict guidelines. As long as you're doing your work, they don't really care. So how many years you've been there? Uh, 15, 20? Yeah. Since like if you count my law clerks, then 21. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And our 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 clients are very conservative, but they are still remote. Our meetings are remote. So, do, do your clients want um, to get together? You're a labor lawyer, right? So, do your clients want to get together? Yeah, yeah I think they will. And uh, my, I suspect that after everybody gets vaccinated, we will. Um, me and Sophia and Shereen got vaccinated. Sophia's 15. She got vaccinated at 15. How'd you do that? <laughs> so, the only place that we can get uh, an appointment is Gary, Indiana. Love Gary, FEMA. Indiana. Yeah. He's a famous person from Gary, Indiana. Yeah, the 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 uh, vaccination site is right by his house, like this old house. Wow. So anyway, um, the um, the system let us sign her up for a sh a shot. They, Great. You have to put in the birth the birth date. We put it in, and then we all went, and we we're like, well. They let us do it, and if they ever if they ask how what her birthday is, we'll just tell them. And if they say no, they say no, whatever. Right. So, and it's the army set it up. And you, uh, as so, a, you, as a, you and Sharina's parents were comfortable enough with your 15 year old uh, being vaccinated. You oh. weren't on the last call or two because I know you're on vacation, but the, the results that came out from Pfizer and the studies about 12 to 15 year olds not having any cases when they're vaccinated was pretty promising with no side effects. So I, I, I'm, I want my kids to get vaccinated, although yeah. one's only 12. Mikhail's going to be 15 in August. Yeah. So, so we were like, we had no qualms about it. She's going to be 16 in, in, uh, in June, so we're like, unbelievable. You know, what about Joaquin? So, yeah. So when we got out there, they asked how old she was, or and? they asked what her birthday was, and we must have told them ten times, and they kept screwing up the cards and all this other stuff. But we just kept telling them her birthday, and they didn't say anything. I don't know if they didn't do the math or whatever, because we told a bunch of people in the neighborhood. Somebody's daughter is turning sixteen in August. Went down. 
they wouldn't let her get it. So well, maybe it's because she's going to be 16 in a matter of months too. Who maybe, knows? maybe, maybe that could be, who, who cares? But yeah, Joaquin, not yet. Um, <clears throat> Serena's going to get him vaccinated as soon as possible after that. But Sophia has the, both the shots game, or just one? We all just have one except okay. for Joaquin and, and we're set to get it May 2nd. There's, we're telling everybody go to Gary because Chicago, you, you can't get one. Right. And then in Gary, it's it's wide open. You don't have to be a resident of the state of Indiana to get a vaccine no. there. That's oh, no. beautiful. It's like going to Kenosha no, to get some it, beer when the drinking age is eighteen versus twenty-one. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. Working on my movement today. Good for you. How's it look? Yeah. Let's pull it up here. Oh, let me pull it up. Wait a second. You gotta. You gotta let me. Uh, that's one of the things I, I gotta keep doing is the uh, the sinking. Yeah, you gotta sink. So they get 7,200 7, steps today without any kind of exercise. Good for you. That's a great day. It's, and then, you know, I look at that. So how, I used to think, oh, you had to have 10,000 steps, but I don't think that anymore. I think that a good day is 7,000 steps with consistent movement throughout the day, right? Which is that MCS score, the movement consistency score, which is, you know, like golf, the best is zero. How many hours do you not have 300 steps, right? And so yeah. I think a good MCS score is six, you know, so you have one, two, three, four, you're, you're at, Six right now, not counting the current hour. So that's okay. that's great. And 7,204 steps, that's great. And that's significantly better than what um, you would be otherwise without paying attention to it, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And you, and you, signed, to... you signed up for the movement alerts, right, that I have now I created did. on my app. And how many times a day are you getting those? When are you getting them? On the half hour. On the half hour and how many times a day I can look? Uh, I, think every, I think every hour. Good for you. That, I mean, that's what a lot of people do. Some people get it every hour just because on the half hour, even if you don't even open up the email or you haven't synced, you'll kind of know, right, every what, half hour I, whether you moved or not. Well, here are the ding. You know, it comes on, I, it dings on my phone and on my, and on my watch. Because, so of, because, be, because why? Because did you make my email address uh, a VIP address so it just pops up on your phone? Um. If you haven't done that, you can do that and it'll pop up on your phone like a text. If it, you make it, inf info at jvbwellness.com. It, it, com a it, comes, it comes up on my Garmin for sure. Okay. And Great. I think I, hear, I, I, I know it's, I think it's pinging on my phone as well. I have it sent to my personal email. Great. Um, and then, um, then I have it forwarded to my work email too. Great. So basically, um, for those people that haven't done this before that are listening, what it is, is, you know, you can go on to my app now and get an alert at any point you want. It could be zero minutes after the hour. Bill set his at 30 minutes and every hour for a number of hours throughout the day at 30 minutes after the hour, he gets an email that shows his full chart for 24 hours in a day. I have a very simple chart on the homepage of my app. It just lists all 24 hours a day and it lights up blue if you're sleeping we have an algorithm, even if you don't wear your watch to bed, that we, we kind of look at movement and then we populate it blue. If we think you're sleeping or if you wear a watch, it's more accurate. And then um, the rest of the day, like if you exercise, it'll light up orange. And the rest of the day, it's either going to be green or red. Green if you have more than 300 steps in an hour and red if you don't have 300 steps in an hour. And I 
want, I, I created this thing called a movement consistency score, or MCS score. And I want that to be six or less, meaning six hours a day where people don't have 300 steps. The average, I've been doing this for a long time now. I've been tracking this movement for seven or eight years and had the app going for about four years. The average when people are not paying attention to and, and are not accountable to their data is about 10 to 13 hours a day. They don't have 300 steps. So it's 10 to 13 hours of red. And that's, you know, assuming somebody's awake for 16 or 17 hours, right? So the one thing I have noticed is that when people do get that uh, a email push to them, it's an accountability tool and it makes people get up more. I see direct changes in behavior and I see people go from 10 to 13 to, you know, five to seven usually. So it, it, it almost improves by 50% or better. Bill, what's your comments on that? And tell me how, what's been your perception of it? Because I know you just started using this this week. Well, I've been using I, I use it in the past, but the, the, I just recently signed up for the um, uh, for the email alerts. The yeah. um, you got to be it's it's you know it's the, the hours get away from me, especially when you're sitting on a conference call, you know. And um, quite frankly, I, I to listen to you, Jim. I you know, turned off the the camera and just walked around my room, you know. Good. So even though I was listening to the conference call, right, I wasn't you know distracted in any way, but I was just moving a little bit. Well, I you think know. that's important. And I, I, I have seen this change where on my conference calls a year ago, a lot more people were on camera. I just did a, a, a call today for a deal we're closing on Friday. Not I was not one person was on camera. Right. Mm -hmm. I did another call. I was the only person on camera. Right. It depends on who you're dealing with and what the audience is. If it's a really important meeting and everybody wants to be on camera, I'm on camera. Right. You know, we had a pitch right. last week on something which we won, which is great. And I was on camera. But if I don't need to be, it's kind of like um, if I wasn't on before COVID and nobody cares, nobody wants to change it to being on. Uh, and so those I kind of know at the beginning of the day what calls I'm going to be able to kind of get my movement in and what calls I'm not. And I just kind of manage my day just loosely on just trying to move as much as I can. And by the way, if you're thinking that everyone else is thinking that, you know, people want to move. Yeah. Yeah. I was just uh, made myself a cup of tea. And what's that take? You know, three, four minutes to boil, five minutes to steep. So I just walked around and around. Great. You know, so, which I would have, you know, probably would have just sat and done something to check my Twitter feed or something, you know, so instead of walk. Totally. And, and, and how, how do you feel when you're moving? Like on a day, because some of your days, you might only have two or 3,000 steps, right? And today you already have 7,200. Um, you know, I'm looking back and some days you have more than others. Well, you had an 18,000 step day. Is that right? Saturdays and Sundays, yeah. I've been uh, doing like, trying to get like five miles in. Awesome. Yeah. But, you know, some, some days you do better than others. How do you feel when you do better versus worse with the movement? Yeah, much yeah, much better. At least you're just not quite as stiff. You know, the crick of my neck goes away a little bit. You know, just I'm just not as, not as stiff and uh, um, lethargic too. You know, you sit there all day, and you almost like fall asleep at times. You know, so like getting up and moving actually, you know, kind of wakes you back up. Well, it, it, it actually gets the electrical connectivity in your body going too. You know, we do have some electrical activity in our legs. And when we stop moving and we sit so much, particularly if it's more than eight hours a day, you know, we start to have atrophy in our muscles and we start to not have as much electrical activity in our legs. And all that does really matter. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I have failed <laughs> on some days, but I've gotten better on others on the uh, walking and the movements. 
Um, oh. but, otherwise, but otherwise, I'm improving. I mean, I'm better. I would say this. Since, you know, speaking with you, however long it is, my sleep is much better than it used to be. In fact, today, you know, I went to bed early last night. I had to drive my mother-in-law to the airport this morning at some, you know, really early morning, whatever. And uh, I didn't get seven hours, right? And I usually aim for seven and a half, eight. And so I was like, do I go for my run or do I go back to bed? Because it was that early. And I went back to bed and I got the hour. I caught up on the sleep. Great. Um, so, yeah. So I think that, that that was a thing. That was improvement. Um, my movement's better, you know, some days are better than others. Weekends are great. Uh, during the week, I still find myself like, you know, wanting to turn off the, the zoom camera or whatever it is and get up and walk, but it's hard. It's hard to do. I'm better at it, but it's harder to do. Like, like you see today, I have 850 steps in one of the zones, one of the hours where I really meant to you know, put 300 in one hour and 300 in the other. So, and then there's another one where I end up at 270 and that's very frustrating for me, <laughs> yeah. right? That I didn't get all 300 in that. I guess it's also like there are hours where you have meetings and things. And in those hours, I have like less than 50 steps. But if I don't have a meeting, I can easily meet the 300 mark. As long as you have the mindset, which you do. But I remember when we first started training you for a marathon a few years ago, you had a very demanding job that required you to be at your desk. And it was hard to even get up. And many people listening to this and even some of us on the phone have had that at various points in our life. And that's very tough. Right. And that yeah. is just so like 1950s now or 1990s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we should be able to get up and move and we should be encouraging people to get up and move because there's so much evidence out there that if we do that, our body is healthier under the hood and we live longer and we have a better quality of life when we move more and making ourselves accountable to various things is great. I no longer believe, as I said, uh, at the beginning of this, that we need 10,000 steps every day. I, I would like people to get like 7,000 steps at least, you know, kind of non-exercise steps. And I would like to see that score be six or less, six, six or less red hours. And I picked six because I think that's a realistic number. You know what I mean? Like I shoot for better than that every day, right? But I think six is realistic where you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I got a, I got a two and a half hour meeting. Then I'm going to see my kid in a show. That'll come back eventually. And I, I'm getting on a plane and all these different things. And I think six is a reasonable goal to shoot for. Hey, uh, one other thing. I was on a call today encouraging people to get up and walk like I knew I just started a new job and we don't schedule meetings for an hour. They call it power hour. It's kind of funny, but I only do it for 45 minutes. So you have 15 minutes so you can get up and walk. But the other thing about the physical attributes of it, besides that are the mental, like, you know, the mindfulness or, or just taking a, a deep breath and, and walking so that you're not stressed. So I don't know if you've thought about that, Jim, but I think there's a mental benefit as well as a physical benefit for those 300 steps. 100% have thought about it a lot and have read about it a lot. And there's a lot of evidence out there that living healthy and movement is one of those things and movement is great, uh, you know, gets the body kind of revved up and certainly provides more mental acuity. There's no question. You know, the brain fog that I might have when I start moving, think about when you wake up and maybe you didn't have a great night of sleep and I, I try and get up and walk a little bit in the morning. I just feel so much better when I get going. I also feel so much better when I'm hydrated. Right. So the other thing I try and do is drink, drink water. I don't try and just chug some water just for the purpose of drinking water. I try and take sips of water throughout the day. So I feel better. But mental acuity is huge and huge part of movement. 
Anybody else have any other comments on the movement or things that I'm interested in what you think about when you're getting my alerts or when you're like the other thing is some people don't even get the alerts because they have trained themselves to just refresh their device. Right. And, uh, you know, whether if it's a Garmin or Fitbit, it just it ref you refresh it on their their apps and it's pushed to my app. And if it's Apple, you just launch my app and it refreshes right on the home page. And a lot of people like if I want to check how I'm doing, I'll just go look at that. You know, I do get the alerts also, but sometimes I just go, how am I doing? It's 217. How am I doing? You know, do people do that? Sure. Do you do that? Right. You go check stuff. I do. So I had a, 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 a question for my walking steps. And I was curious about this. I know you've mentioned it on one of the calls, but I forget um, your heart rate. If, if I'm doing brisk walking, what should the minimum heart rate be to for it to recognize that this is more of a brisk walk rather than like a stroll in the park kind of walk and just steps? Yeah. Um, so the way that I designed it was, and I'm just pulling your account up here, the way that I think about exercise versus movement, as I think of exercise, I define exercise as either strength training or um, some activity that will elevate your heart rate above like an easy walk, right? And if you go read definitions by Apple and others, they'll typically define it the same way. So the question is, what is the cutoff by which I would think of something as an easy stroll, easy walk versus exercise? And that is based on uh, an aerobic zone and it, it varies by age. So when we're older, our heart rate needs to get higher to be in an aerobic zone. So my app has the kind of aerobic zone, uh, anaerobic zone, which is above the aerobic zone and then below aerobic. Right. And so the way that my app works is if you pop open a file on your watch and it's a walk file or if it automatically creates a walk file on your Apple watch and your heart rate is below a certain level for you, it's probably 102. I'm going to check right now. Uh, it's somewhere around 102. I was looking at somebody else's today and because that person is younger, it was 109. Um, so it depends. So for you. It is. 107. So in order for you, for me to consider it based on your age, exercise, uh, you know, the way that the app calculates exercise and non-exercise is a heart rate of 107 or higher. Now, that's just for a walk. If you started a run file and you walked, it would still mm -hmm. consider it exercise, right? But I suspect that for a lot of your efforts um, that, you know, when you're walking, your heart rate's pretty low. I see you worked out today. You had a walk today and your average heart rate was 113. So that's why it is considered um, exercise. Was that a brisk walk or what was that? A brisk walk, yeah. So what did you, is that in the park or what'd you do exactly? So um, most of it was in Central Park, yeah. Okay, so you had 55 minutes in your aerobic zone, which for you and your age is 107 to 142. You had mm -hmm. no time above 142 and you had 14 minutes below the aerobic zone. So you had a, um, you, you know, that was what you had in the various breakdown. And mm -hmm. if you look, you had, you had um, most of your time was in the 108 to 121 range. You had 45 minutes in that range. You had 11, 11 minutes in the 122 to 137 range. That was as high as you got. So, so that's great. That definitely, absolutely, in my mind, counts as exercise. 100%. Okay. Did, you, did you sweat? Um, 
<laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Did you dress up in workout clothes and consider it a workout or did you just go out for a walk? No, I just went out for a walk. I actually went to drop Ela to school. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so that's the initial part where the 14 minutes of slightly slower walk. And mm-hmm. then once I had dropped her, I went into Central Park and then, you know, did the walk after that. And so, are you using your arms and moving them briskly, kind of like your 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 speed walking? Yes. Great. So that's exercise. Now, okay. what will happen eventually is if 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 one is consistent with their training and they're doing that consistently, and consistency to me means you're doing that most days. Eventually, mm-hmm. you're going to get faster at the same heart rate as your fitness and endurance and cardiorespiratory uh, fitness improves, right? So, next time maybe it's one ten, next time it's one oh eight, but it could depend on a lot of factors, right? If if somebody is dehydrated, the heart rate's higher. If somebody drank alcohol the night for the heart rate's higher. If somebody didn't sleep well, the heart rate's higher. If somebody's got an illness, it's higher. If somebody's got a lot of stress, it's higher. So a lot of different things can play into it. But the body really only knows heart rate, and the body knows that your heart rate was elevated and was definitely in exercise zones. So I would call that exercise. Okay. Last week, we spoke about the marathon, and we specifically talked about the New York City Marathon, and we specifically asked people, what are you going to do for this marathon? And if people have an entry into the New York City Marathon this year, they had three options. They could run this year, 2021, they could defer to 2022, or they could defer to 2023. We had a good discussion about it. If you haven't listened to that podcast and you're interested, it's pretty interesting. I decided I did now defer mine to 2022. My mindset was... I just don't really feel like being in a major marathon where I got to get on the Staten Island ferry and sit out for three hours, even without COVID. That's always a big endeavor. I've run, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 New York city marathons now, but um, I got a few other people that most people deferred. We had a couple of people, Jeff, you're running this year. Tim was going to run the rest of us deferred Jeff. I'm going to read a couple other feedback points I got from people. And then I want to hear if you've learned anything more given you're really up on this stuff. So, you know, one person said, you know, I was going to run 2021, but after listening to the podcast, I did change my New York City Marathon to 2022. I think I should get into Boston and the thought of putting myself through the schlep to Staten Island probably outweighs the pleasure of running in NYC. I came to the same conclusion. Another person said that they're definitely running London this year, which will be interesting to see if that's going to happen in person or not. Has anybody been following London? London is usually in April, so I haven't been following to see if they moved it. Did they move it later this year? Does anybody know? Yeah, they moved it. And anybody who waived last year was allowed to run this year, so I know some people running London as of now. Right. And what was interesting from this person is the person said, um, I still want to, I still want to run, but I'd rather do it for myself than for the bling or the prestige. I've got plenty of medals and I think I've finally proved something to myself, which may be why I started running marathons to begin with, which is interesting because I see that all the time for people, particularly for people like coach that are training for a marathon when they're running their first or second marathon. Think back to when some of us did that. It's like the biggest thing in the world and you're going to do it kind of no matter what truthy. I remember you had that amazing accomplishment. Uh, whereas if you've done a bunch, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. This is like the 50th New York City Marathon. That means nothing to me. Um, and then the last person um, said, um, well, first he said, I got my first shot yesterday and had some side effects and didn't feel great. 
he ran, uh, still ran and was sluggish to shake off the effects and said he felt good one to two miles in. He's also running Boston um, when the registration opened. Very excited to get back into in-person racing and hopefully they can pull it off. We also talked about masks last week, whether or not people would wear a mask. He said he's still wearing mine until he gets to Central Park. Then he takes it down. He said most people are doing the same thing in Boston. I will wear it up until I start racing unless told otherwise. I do think New York City Marathon is going to be logistically a challenge, although one could make the same argument for Boston, which I think is right. And this guy is a very, very gifted guy who's going to be in the front corral and going to probably going to be a sub three hour guy. Jeff, have you heard anything or you have any reactions to any of that? So. uh so they're they're all in on pulling this thing off. Um, I don't know the uh, legal language that's in there for for choosing this year because they're not going to be able to. They want to take everybody. I don't think they're going to be able to take everybody. I think they're coming down to they'll know closer um, if it's going to be. They're not going to have a full marathon. So let's say in the last ten years you've been running fifty five thousand. They're not even going to get to close to fifty five. Um, so still a we, lot. I, you know, I wonder if the, even it, that number is reckless. We didn't get into specifics of that. Think about how many people have applied to run the marathon over the years. How many people are on the wait list, right? So, you know, I just think the odds of it was one in four or one in five to run a New York City marathon. You're at one or eight or one in 10 for this year, you know, if you want to do it. I mean, I'm just, you know, looking at the numbers. Um, and they want to accommodate people who, you know, deferred last year. Um, they have to have... They're trying to figure out the elite situation. Um, they expect to have elites. And, you know, I'm a streaker, so they haven't even – they from first go, streakers are included, but there's nothing official. In June, an email will go out that will hopefully outline what's going to be the case for the marathon. So Do you have a sense of – is, is streakers 15 or more years? Is that right? Yeah, 15, 15 plus. 15 plus, yeah. 15 or more marathons. Maybe not in a row. It's just number of marathons over your life, I think, right? Correct. They and stopped the row, yeah. Do you have a sense or how many streakers there are that run every year? Is it 100? Is I it 1,000? I used to know it, and I was trying to get that number from them. Um, I want to say there's – I would say roughly there's 500 to 1,000 plus. Whether they run every year, I don't think they, that many run each year. I think when I'm in a streaker tent, you're close to, uh, I don't know, between 250 and 500 because some streakers don't show up in the tent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, you know, um, so we'll see. I, 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 it's, I asked somebody how many streakers there were. The person that I asked didn't know. You know, it's, you know, they used to have three waves. Are they down to one wave? You know? I would think I would think they want to keep it across three waves and just have much more space. You know what I mean? It's kind of distancing. Right. But so then here's the most interesting thing. Um, crowd control and not wanting a crowd. Right. So their feeling is they're, they're in the years past. The whole thing was to get out a crowd, a big crowd to have everybody cheering everybody on. My understanding is that there might not be crowds. They might have a watch it on at home and on tv not come in the street and do it which is a whole different new york city marathon experience because the crowd for, for, for everybody going. right yeah. for the for the runner it's what you get you going and for the participants who want to go and watch people it's it's important too and it's a big tradition for a lot of people that just watch the race you know yep anything so, else come out of your conversations uh, no i think i i will say this you know budgets are tight uh tighter than usual uh to put it on 
Um, sponsors are all in. Um, I think budgets are tight though, you know, in general. And I think everybody wants to put on the best marathon possible, you know? So I think, you know, I think that's good. I think that all the sponsors are in. Um, I think that's important. I think the organization's behind it. The city's behind it. Um, the MTA is behind it. So um, they are waiting for, they're just looking at CDC, state and city guidelines, but um, it looks like everybody's for doing the marathon. So that's Great. a step in the right direction. Did, did you get a did you get a sense for how many people they think might run virtually and curious if you knew how many people ran New York City virtually last year? Uh, they didn't we didn't talk about the virtual aspect of it. Last year I worked on the campaign because I wanted to have more people run virtually around the world the New York City Marathon and I want to say we had 25 to 30,000. Don't quote me but I know it was yeah. it wasn't the 55 or 60 that I was targeting when i was working on the campaign with them and i think we got half of that okay so. all right anything else on that no i i i, I you know um i i just hope you know i wish more people were running it i'm you know the ones who are great the ones who are in to 2022 i'll see you then <laughs> <laughs> that'll be me justin we um you're a runner and if you were faced with a decision, you had an entry for this year um, for New York City or Chicago. Chicago's easier logistically, but still painful. Like when we got stuck behind that fence or something, when they cut those things off, if you remember, one year. Um, what would you do? Would you run it, defer it? What's your mindset on that? Well, I think I'd defer it. Reason? I just... To put all that effort into setting it up, that'd be rough. Just you all know. the logistical time waiting. Yeah. What, what about the what about the virus? Like that's what your, I'm thinking of. You're thinking that's of the what virus. I'm thinking. Like to put all that effort in and then have and have to cancel it. I just I would wait, but that's just me. Okay. You know, and I might have a different opinion, like you know, four months from now. Yep, totally. All right. Well, I got to run and take my daughter to gymnastics. So anybody else have any final comments? See you, Jim. <laughs> See you, Jim. Yep. Just, just thanks, Jim. This thanks, great, Jim. Jim. Thanks. Bye, guys. Good discussion. You guys really appreciate week. it. Stay well. Yeah. You too. Bye. Take care, Jim. Bye. Bye. Take care, Bye. guys.